0: all right everyone welcome back this week kayla got the opportunity to talk with kelsey hayden kelsey's a california cowgirl who started off training everything from two-year-olds to blown up barrel horses her background goes to show that hard work really does lead to success even if it means learning how to Kana off your 22 year old arabian humble beginnings and hard work have led her to running some of the nicest horses going down the road today This week's episode is brought to you by K&L Barrel Horses. K&L Barrel Horses is proud to represent two upcoming sires, K.L. Limitless and Taken on Shawnee. K.L. Limitless is an own son of Stoli, out of an own daughter of Anna High, and already has money-earning offspring in the Futurity Arena, Roping Pin, and in Mounted Shooting. Taken on Shawnee is an own son of Shawnee Bug, and his foals have won everywhere for Futurities, the Junior High Rodeos, and the Pro Rodeo Ranks. These stallions sire horses that can win in the speed events, Take a long day on the ranch, yet are quiet enough that kids can ride them. All offspring are eligible for the KL incentive, where we match what you win. Any discipline, any state, up to $5,000. KL Barrel Horses put money back in the pockets of the owners and breeders who breed breeded KL Limitless and taken on Shawnee. Find them on Facebook at KL Barrel Horses or visit their website at www.knlbarrelhorses.com. All right, Kelsey, you're up. Kayla, take it away. This is the Money Barrel.
1: Today we have Kelsey Hayden with us, and I'm really excited to have you on, so thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Kelsey is one of those people that um, I feel like i met through Facebook because she has a really bad horse in I really liked watching videos of Bubba, you know, became Facebook friends and then finally got to meet her this year at the Colorado Classic. Um, We had people request to have you on the podcast, anyways. So it was just kind of fitting that, you know, we finally got to meet in person and then (laughs) here we are. Yeah. So uh, let's just kind of get started and, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, your current program, and, you know, what you do on the day to day.
2: Oh, man. Okay. Well, I do, I train barrel horses, but sometimes, you know, like I I don't, I'd love to say that I only take this type of horse or I only do faturity colts or I only do open horses, but it's, uh, that's not the case. Like I kind of take whatever I get handed to me (laughs) to to a degree, Um, like, you know, so I'll get, you know, for lack of better words, blown up barrel horses and I'll, you know, try and fix those ones. I'll get three-year-olds. Um, I used to start a lot of two-year-olds and I got bucked off way too many times. So I leave that to my fiance, Andrew. He now starts all the two-year-olds. Um, I don't, I don't like writing them anymore. And then after about 90 days, I'll get them. And usually people want them on the pattern about then. And then I'll take fraternity colts. I'll take six-year-olds that maybe had a late start, like just a little bit of everything. There's not really any one particular type of Horse that I specialize in—it's just kind of barrel horses in a blanket term. So you're very well rounded in all ages. (laughs) Not on purpose, just because that's kind of how it is. Like when you, especially when you start out training, you you can't really choose. Um, I'm getting to the point now where I can maybe turn away some of the stuff that I don't want to take, but just as a whole, like the whole way, like maybe the last six years I've been doing this, I just kind of had to take whatever people were willing to pay me to ride. And most of the time, like the stuff that people want to pay you to ride, um, is stuff that they don't want to ride. <laughs> <So>. Very true. <laughs> Very yeah. true. Yep. So I've, I've, uh, I've fought my way through a bunch, uh, to get to where I am. And so now I, I feel like right now I'm in a good place. Like I've got great horses, even better clients. Like I'm really proud of what, um, what I've been able to do in the last probably six to eight years as far as like upgrading my, the horsepower that's underneath me.
1: So how did you get to training for the public? Like, you know, were you raised around horses and did you always barrel race or did it just kind of evolve into, you know, all of a sudden you have a barn full of outside horses? Um,
2: so to be quite honest with you, I was raised in more of a city setting than anything. And none of my family was into horses. It's just something like, I feel like little girls and horses always have this um, attraction. So I always wanted to ride. I actually started out Western Pleasure. And so I, okay. I rode in a show barn. I never actually showed like Western Pleasure, but the, where I was was Halter and Western Pleasure. So that was obviously a different speed than what I do now. Um, but then a friend of ours, so we were paying for lessons, paying to lease these horses at the, the show barn. And a family friend of ours was like, well, I have a horse. And if you just feed Lisa, you know, we can do that. So my dad built me a, like a, a shelter and fenced in a pen. And we put our horse in with our sheep (laughs) and it was a 22 year old Arabian named Zamdana. And she, I went to gym cannas on her probably every two weeks. And that's how I started was just gym canning my Arabian so that's really cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so it, it really wasn't all glamorous like no, nobody was into what I do I just kind of fell into barrel racing I feel like because it's such a cheap sport to get into um that you know the show horse world is so expensive with just everything that goes with the show horses you know they always have to be in training they always they have to be kind of fancy you have to have all the special tack and everything and whereas a Jim canna man i had an american flag saddle pad hey i had one of those too <laughs> <laughs> i feel like everybody has had an american flag saddle pad at some point and i've even won i've won two more american flag saddle pads since then so that's awesome i have enough but yeah like we had you know nylon reins nylon heads so everything was cheap and easy and all inclusive as far as like you know oh you want to run poles oh you want to run single stake oh you want to you know you just yeah let's just keep going and uh it's cheap and kind of kind of really um it's it's a good place to start if you're not sure exactly what you want to do because it's it's not like you're going to spend all your money trying to figure it out
1: yeah and that's you know we talk about it a lot on the podcast um you know just kind of how barrel racing is so open for everybody but then again it also is like, I feel a little bit of our downfall as far as like the horsemanship side goes and the professionalism oh, sure. side goes. So how did you ride with anybody or who did you work under to, you know, learn how to start these colts? Because I mean, I've seen a lot of your horses and I'm, you know, seen you run some very, very good horses. So clearly you had help or, you know, yeah. coaches in the horsemanship side of things.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, um, the, we had a Volvo a long time ago that I don't know if anybody's had a Volvo, but those things are not built to last. And so it always (laughs) needed repairs. And the repair shop that we took it to was right next door to a horse training facility. And that was Terry Cochran's place, which is actually kind of a funny story because now her daughter, Kay Cochran works for me and helps me and rides for me and all that. Uh, but anyway, so I learned to ride, with terry cochran and she taught me how to run barrels appropriately (laughs) because lord knows zamadonna was not the best barrel horse i think the hardest thing i had with her was trying to get her to run through the first and second barrel on the way home because there's a lot of times we didn't quite make it onto a complete pattern so (laughs) she helped me uh you know obviously fine-tune my barrel racing and then she told me to get a new horse, convinced my dad to buy me a horse, convinced him that this habit was not going away, um, which he, even in college, he thought that I was going to grow out of horses, but, uh, not the case. So she was the one that taught me pretty much everything when I was beginning, you know, from riding young horses to, you know, jockeying better, um, you know, that you can't run your horse through 16 times a day. That probably isn't good for him. And she was the one that, that really turned me in the right direction. And that was when I was maybe 14, 13 years old. So, you know, like at first I was turned loose with an Arabian and then, you know, fast forward it a couple of years. That's who got me on the straight and narrow as far as horsemanship.
1: Okay. And then how, you know, did it kind of progress? Like when you got into the fraternity world and, you know, like you said, you kind of had to work your way up through Younger horses, outside horses, you know, to get yeah. what you have now.
2: So I feel like a lot of, I mean, it's obviously a lot of hard work. You know, I've spent a lot of hours in the saddle, a lot of time watching, you know, the Barrel Horse News videos on, you know, I, I've always watched Ashley Schaefer, Ryan Padone, Kelsey Luchin or Truharn and um, watched their videos and tried to, and it's hard, like when you watch a video it's a lot different than going and riding with somebody. Cause you're like, okay, I think I know what they're doing. And then you'd try it on your horse and you're like, wait, I don't, I think I'm missing something. So it, it is a lot better to go ride with people, mm-hmm. but I, um, it's hard. Like being in California, there's not as many people that you can just go to that have all the answers, you know? And there, there's some great people down this way. Like, you know, Lindy stairs, Charlene or Katie McCaslin, there, there's a ton of people right here in the central Valley that, that are, you know, very, very good and could help me with my horses. But at the time I didn't know them. So I would turn to those videos, YouTube, like that kind of stuff, you know, as cheesy as that sounds, it really did help me quite a bit. So it's no, it I took- something that, like, anybody from a computer can get better just because you don't know the people that are winning or because you don't live by them or have that opportunity. You know, you don't have a truck and trailer to go haul to them. There, there is kind of resources online that, that do help.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I don't think it sounds cheesy at all, because I was the exact same way. I mean, I still watch a ton of well, videos, same. all the yeah. stuff that I put out. Um, but, you know, I was kind of the same way. I feel like I, I went to a couple of clinics, but otherwise was kind of self-taught. Yeah, good and bad side of that. Um, you know, but watching those videos, you definitely can learn more from just sitting inside your house. Yeah.
2: Well, and then like RFD TV back when I don't even have I haven't had cable or Internet actually for probably five years, but I used to watch those, um, all the videos on RFD TV and the training videos and all that. Uh, so it, it, you know, those weren't necessarily barrel racing videos, but just horsemanship, like how to get your horse to stop and turn and, you know, like load in a trailer, <laughs> that kind of stuff that we all run into at some point when we're, you know, learning and new, I will <laughs> say the, the biggest turning point for my career. Cause like when I got out of college, I was like, Oh man, I don't want a real job. I worked at a feed store and that sucked. Like I hated that. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna try to take in outside horses. And throughout high school and college, I would I had like a Craigslist ad where like 25 an hour, I'll come ride your horse. So I'd you know, jump in my F-150, I'd throw my saddle in the back and I'd, you know, go. It was like real Linda. I remember I was I was starting 20 year old Tennessee walkers uh and loping around a pool.
1: <laughs> like it was no. it was I was gonna bad. say you probably got some interesting Oh, I that bad. could
2: be a whole new podcast. the, the <laughs> stories that I have from from those Craigslist ads and I should not be here today. I should have died. yeah uh, really-
1: Yep. Yeah. pay me to get on some random horse right now.
2: <laughs> no, that's what I did. I had to that's how I made money. I just went answer phone calls. I could have been kidnapped. Like there were so many things that could have went wrong. As soon as I got my driver's license, I mean, that's what I was doing. But then um, I decided I wanted to, instead of, I I got a degree in animal science and instead of pursuing whatever that degree was supposed to be used for, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to take outside horses. I want to ride. Like that's the only job that I can do that allows me to ride and make my own hours and blah, blah, blah. So that's how it started. And I, you know, that's when I was starting Colts because a lot of people didn't want to send just, you know, some kid fresh out of college, a really nice barrel horse. So I'd get a lot of two-year-olds and, um, I'd start for, um, Doug and Tim Parker, they had a Rennie Danjet. i would start all their two-year-olds and, um, I, I worked for them for a long time, but when it start when it really changed for me was when I met my fiance because, well, at first, he rode saddle bronc, and so we rodeoed together, and that was a good time, but then when he broke too many bones, he decided that he'd go ahead and take over the two-year-old uh, situation, because, I mean, knock on wood, to this day, I have not broken a bone, like a serious bone, and I wanted to keep knock it Knock on way. wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to keep it that way, so I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't do the two-year-old thing anymore, and so he started picking that up, um, and then when he got too crippled to um, bronc ride, he, you know, hung up the bronc rope and got into the working cow horse because his, his other friend, uh, from Australia, he's from Australia, his other friend, uh, that's what he trained his working cow horse and they'd all go ride together and, uh, do all that. He'd ride his colts up there in course Gold and course golden. And he, that friend taught kind of talked him into doing the cow horse thing, which, Oh, cool. Yeah. So that, uh, I feel like is a, is a big deal as far as like your foundation for a barrel horse, you know, um mm-hmm. you know, being able to, yeah. Cause there's like cutters and rainers and then there's cow horse and it's, it's just such a cool event. I mean, the, those horses like cutters, you know, they're taught to mirror a cow and you kind of pitch them loose, but, and then rainers, you know, they're, you know, they want their head down and they want them to look a certain way and almost more Western pleasury than anything else. And then the cow horse, like, those suckers have to take a pole and they have to be placed. They, they can't just mirror a cow. Like, I mean, if, if I could ride anything, I think it'd be a cow horse just because of how broke and awesome they are to ride.
1: Yeah. I was, I mean that I do have it And sometimes I'm just like, I mean, even like my barrel horses that I think are broke. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not broke at all compared no, to, not you know, to those suckers. Yeah, They're so much fun to ride. So I definitely did not have any complaints when that's the event that he decided to get into.
1: So how, I mean, you, you kind of explained it, but you know, when you first started breaking two-year-olds, what you want your two-year-olds now to be able to do, you know, has it, has it changed a whole lot or just have you realized like, you know, how much you can do. 300%. Like I thought,
2: like I thought watching the Down Under Horsemanship videos and Craig Cameron, I thought I knew what was up.
0: You know, <laughs> and
2: then looking back, it's just it's hilarious to me now because like the stuff that I would focus on was so ridiculous, and now you know, watching Andrew do what he does, and and watching these horses, you know, in sixty days, I'd be proud that I could lope on my you know, on the correct leads and break to a trot and get the other lead. And now like in 60 days, he's got these horses doing some incredible things. And granted, you know, the horses kind of have to be on board as well. There's some horses yeah. that aren't going to, um, you know, be that good that quick. But I mean, when you get a good one, they're they're pretty awesome after 60, 90 days. And it's, it's really eye-opening to know how much more they're capable of when you have the tools to figure it out and like, ask them to do it, get them to do it. You know, it's, um, it's been really fun to watch.
1: That's really cool. I think about that all the time. Every time I'm like, I can't get this horse to do this. (laughs) It's well, (laughs) I, I couldn't get my horse a couple of years ago to do something that this horse can do now. Like it, you know, generally it's the rider and what we know how to do, but Yeah. yeah, it's cool to see them and how broke they can be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I will say like, you know, sometimes I get like now I'll get horses most of the time they're horses that have already been started and by somebody else and they show up patterned, and they want me to help them with something you know and Mm -hmm. I'll get Andrew out there and I'll be like you know hey I feel like this horse is doing this and my turn I just don't know where it's starting and he like he's able to kind of watch him go and figure out okay well your horse isn't you know he's bracing on your hands here which is why he's leaning here and like three strides later that's why that's happening is because three strides before you know he's not carrying himself correctly so it's it's been really helpful because he's able to pinpoint maybe a problem and a lot of barrel racers I mean you go I mean I'm sure you've rode with barrel racers before where they're like, Oh, you know, change your bit or put a headset on it. You know, yep.
1: Yes. And, I mean, and, I've, I've been that person. I've been told that, but I've also been that person.
2: Right. I mean, we all have, and sure they, it works, but it it's more of a band-aid than a fix. And, mm-hmm. and so that's where I think that going back to the root foundation of getting your horse broke is so important because you're able to fix those issues instead of just slap, you know, something on them to patch them through for the next run
1: absolutely and I you know I just think that more and more people I talk to you know just that kind of topic comes up and then you see it at the barrel races and you're like yep I mean you see the girls that run their horses 16 times during exhibition <laughs> you're like yeah I, I want to tell you not to do that but I guess everybody has to figure it out on their
2: own absolutely I mean I, I kind of wish somebody would have told me when I was 13 14 but um, oh yeah I'm I- here now so it's okay okay <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, you know, you also said that you ride or previously have rode, you know, blown up barrel horses and working on fixing them. And that's actually a topic I don't think I've really talked about a lot on the podcast. Right. So when you do get, you know, those horses that have been blown up or have issues, I mean, do you just break them down to the very beginning or, you know, obviously I know it changes based on the situation, but how do you kind of approach those type of horses?
2: So it just depends on like what their problem is. My least favorite horses are the ones that start their turn too early and want to crash barrels. So that's like absolutely my least favorite horse. They're so hard to fix. Um, they're usually so heavy when you approach a turn that they're so hard to place. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're, those are tough for me, but, I mean, I have got some through it that I think once they, some problems, I think once they have it and if they've been running for six years like that, like it's not going to come out personally. Yeah. Um, a lot of them I'll get like that are, have bad gait issues or, um, you know, kind of run off.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so I, oh, man, I, if you could just have a video camera, even just like. You know, like one of those game cameras to see my barrel pen. Sometimes, like you would get a laugh because some of the stuff that we try, like we'll try letting them run by, letting them go to the fence, letting them run up the fence. Let, we'll we'll try stuff just to see. Okay, what do you want to do? Like, where's your out? You know, where do you think is your safe place? And it gets a little hairy. I'm there, like in my barrel pen. I don't have a fence at my second barrel. I don't. I just didn't feel the need to fence it, and. um Something's never changed. My sheep are in my rail pen with me. <laughs> so, And there's also like a boat parked back there and an old trailer. And the other day I just, and I ended up at the boat with one of them and, uh, like it just plum ran off with me and got into, um, a little bit of a rack, like with all the junk that we have piled up in the corner of the pasture. So it, it, it gets a little, it gets a little dangerous. It gets a little scary. Um, so I'd, I'd love, honestly, I'd love it if you did more podcasts on stuff like that. So maybe I wouldn't have to end up backing my horse out of an arena drag or something like that. Um, but it's, I, it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of trial and error as far as what's going to work for this typical t- this type of horse, this particular problem. Um, I had one that would run off just to the first barrel and she would just, glaze over like if you pulled on her she'd glaze over and then if you pitched her loose she'd keep running so it was like okay I can't tell this kid not to pull on her Mm -hmm. and I can't tell this kid you know to pull on her Uh, so we have a track that goes around our property and I just spent I don't know how many laps I did this man was running off with me around the track and I just spent probably 10-15 laps trying to figure out how to pull on her what like how to break her nose off her body how to get her to slow her feet down um, and it, it took a long time, but I figured like, okay, you pull release, pull release, you can kind of break her nose off by pulling this way. Um, so it, and it like, none of it's ever, it's scary to hand those horses back to the people and you're like, okay, I hope this works. You know, uh, Yeah. That, I mean, that horse ran, I, I mean, I know it's not record setting, but she ran a seventeen eight with the kid and it, on a standard. And that was a huge deal for her, you know, it's a horse that go off pattern. Um, so it, it's really rewarding when you get one of those horses and, and you figure them out and you fix them. But the whole process of doing it is maybe a little bit life threatening. <laughs> yeah, I terrifying. A, you know, Like you are way man, more cowgirl than I am. Well, I, you know, you do, we all do what we have to do to get paid, I guess, but uh, <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs>
2: I don't know. That was just one of them, but we I've had horses with uh gate issues and one of them, like, I think just kind of learned how to, you know, bully her jockey because her jockey was young. And, uh, Andrew, he's like I said, he's Australian and in Australia, they use bull whips like for everything to load cattle, to move cattle. They don't even rope out there. They just use bull whips. And so he'd come behind me and he'd crack that bull whip and get her to go into the arena. Um, and we did that a bunch here at the house. She wouldn't go into any arena, his cow horse arena, the round pin, nothing. She wouldn't go into anything. So we, use that bullet quite a bit and we took it to a jackpot once got her in there and then after that she she'd go in there you know um so like a little bit different kind of style to do things but it that one worked for her um there's just there's so many different issues and so many different roots of the problems but mainly i feel like a lot of people that are in it's mainly it it is children or kids that probably mm-hmm. get a little too much horse underneath them and and don't know what to do um but it's a lack of knowledge as far as like how to ride that caliber of horse
0: yeah and then
2: like a lack of them telling that horse no like no you're not allowed to start the barrel pattern from the parking lot like no you're not allowed to you know buck when i don't want to go into the arena you know that kind of stuff they i think they need to learn like how to be black and white with a horse but that doesn't necessarily mean you're just beating on them all the time like it's also the release like when to release them like you can't just pull on a horse all the way to the first barrel and expect them to listen to you when you pull on them to stop like if you're kicking and pulling and then you're pulling and trying to get them to stop like there has to be a difference in your cues and I think that's with children it's hard because they get scared and they have that fear and um, a lot of the training and lessons and stuff that are in their head goes out the window because they're scared or they're nervous or you know stuff like that so I think a lot of coaching needs to be done with kids like that on on powerful horses so that that sort of stuff doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, I think that's really valuable advice. And it seems so simple, right? Like, always, you know, yeah. you don't yeah. always you know, you don't have to beat on them to get them to do what you want, but you also can't let them run over you. It's a fine line. Yeah. 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 I mean, some days they really deserve (laughs) or (laughs) or they act like they need, you know, to be handled like that. But, you know, it's especially if you don't or get scared. I mean, that, that is kind of a part. And then it is hard to find people to coach or help with you. And then all of a sudden, you know of the problems
2: oh yeah for sure and then the coaching at the race that you know you're the people ride different at home or in a lesson yeah with, at the jackpot without anybody helping them you know that it's there's just it's tough and I mean it's really simple like three barrels you go right left left or left right right it's a very simple pattern but juggling all the emotions the anxiety the energy everything like that's the hard part I think and then you know you got a person and a horse and you're trying to communicate through that. And it's, it's just, it does get a little bit difficult. Totally agree. So tell us a little bit how it it
1: is being in California for barrel racing. I don't even think we mentioned it earlier, but you live in California. Are you Southern? I have zero knowledge of <laughs> barrel racing in California besides I, everybody's I like I told the everybody the that went out there. Crazy. So I've seen some, <laughs> you know, videos and some arenas and it looks like you guys have like some pretty good stuff out there, but otherwise I know nothing.
2: Right. You know, I wish, I wish that more people would come out. Um, rodeos are awesome. Like for when people make their spring run out here. Um, it's awesome to have all those top dogs come out here and getting to watch them, getting to communicate with them and like, you know, meet them and stuff. I think that's awesome. But if aside from that, we don't have the big, huge, we don't have a Colorado classic out here. We don't have a Ruby buckle, a pink buckle mm-hmm. elite. Right? We don't have, um, I don't even think WCRA does it. I mean, the closest one is Vegas. Um, so it's hard because for me, I have to travel really far to go to anything, uh, that's, big headline type races. We have, as far as faturities, we have a really good faturity that I wish more people would come to. The CN Faturity is awesome. It's in February. And the only thing I don't like about it is it's during the American semifinals. So I have not been able to go for the past three years, but um, that is an awesome faturity. Charlene does a really good job with that. Um, There's one in May down in Porterville. um, That's pretty good. There's, you know, there's a couple here and there and then our of course our west coast finals is my favorite race ever they get like 180,000 added to it um, but that's like a you know an association finals so it's not really open to the public you can't just drive from Texas and come enter that you have to oh, be okay
1: i was going to say i've seen that one i'm like yes. oh, that looks race looks awesome but i didn't realize it was just a finals for you back. yes
2: yeah and that whole deal um, that's a really awesome deal and it's the I I mean, it's the richest race in the West, and it's it allows us to run the money that I feel like everybody in Texas gets to run out of monthly. You know? Yeah. I feel like there's there's such big events out back east, like Texas, Oklahoma, Utah, all that way, Um, but we don't. We just have that one really. So that part is not awesome about California. Obviously the weather's great not in the summertime here. I'm in central California which is like the valley. Okay. So if like right now currently if you were to turn your oven on to broil and <laughs> climb in there in the oven, that's what it feels like. It's today is going to be 109, tomorrow's going 13. That sounds so awful. Yeah, it's so dry, it's so hot. I mean it's, I mean, there's no humidity so that, you know, that's maybe a positive, but, uh, as far as summertime like that, that's not ideal here, but spring is awesome. Fall is awesome. Winters are really mild. So as far as like riding, you can ride outside year round, you know, I, I feel bad for you guys in Colorado. Like if you don't have a covered arena or a place to haul to, you know, those winter months, you're, you're kind of sidelined. Yeah. 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 But here like out here the the barrel races that we have are and the the arenas that we have are mainly outdoor. Um they're big standard patterns. I mean there's some smaller patterns for sure, but they're usually big, wide open, deep, deep ground. Uh they love their deep ground here, which which does pose a little bit of a struggle for me like when I go out to Lazy E in Oklahoma, like that that is ground we don't see anything like that out here. So you know, getting your horse's conditioned to running on Texas ground, Oklahoma ground, that kind of clay. And, um, it's, it's just a different type of ground that we're not really familiar with. Um, and then there, it, there's no buildings really. We, you know, we had the cow palace rodeo. I think that got canceled. Um, and there's a little pavilion in red bluff. There's, it, it's just hard to find little indoor trappy pens. We don't have alleys, So going back to the American and stuff of running at the Fort Fort Worth Stockyards, I mean, there's nothing that can prepare you for that out here. So that seems like geographically, that seems like a little bit of a struggle from going from California to literally anywhere else.
1: Yeah, that's all stuff. I mean, I never really thought of I've, I've heard or the videos I've seen. I'm like, yeah, deeper ground. But I mean, yeah, it's it's totally different. And like here we don't even have an outdoor arena to jackpot in there might be there might be one or two that are like privately owned and occasionally have them but like we do not have a public facility that has an outdoor arena to jackpot in yeah that see that's crazy because that's everything out here that's wild that's yeah, like, so, at that first rodeo, any of my horses ever enter, it's just like a runaway. <laughs> oh, never so run out. Red outside. Bluff is
2: kind of good watching because either like those horses are on it and running like outstanding or they're like looking for the bleachers. <laughs> yep. Red, yeah, Red Bluff is a pretty fun one because that's one of the first ones of the spring and it gets a little wild out there. But yeah, like you have to have a horse that wants to find a barrel as for these kind of pens.
1: So do you do anything to prepare differently because you've done well at Pink buckle um and yeah. you know some of these other Texas things, or do the horses you have I mean obviously Bubba is great yeah, um, she th- just, so- just you just know like oh, she'll handle it we'll just go from there
2: um there so there's some big races out here that I don't enter her at just because I know that the ground is so deep and she's never gonna ha- like all the big events that I want to save her for, she's never gonna run on ground like that. So like, why would I run her? You know what I mean? Like, and I feel anytime, um, anytime I run her on really really deep ground, she gets a little short and she might she might tip or something just because she gets a little stuck. And then the next run, if I run her in shallow ground, she's a little strung out. So yeah, I feel like she. Needs to, I mean, she definitely needs to learn how to go from deep to shallow, like day to day. But if I'm, you know, if I've got $500 up at Ruby Buckle, I'll go ahead and skip the deep ground here and just run her at the Ruby because she's, you know, already kind of tuned up for that type of setup. So Makes sense. I, you know, I have a strategy, if you will, for um, how to keep her tuned up and fresh. Because I mean, I and the, the, I hate to say it, but I got really sour on the rodeos and I took her over the fourth last year and I ran, I feel like I brought the rain with me last year. I, it rained at every road, Cody, it rained, um, killdeer, Mobridge like all those rodeos that I went to were so wet and I ran her and she was awesome, but she'd slip. She'd, you know, she'd have a stumble coming in in a third and bow off her third. She'd, lose her ass on the backside a second like it it was just you know struggle after struggle and I couldn't really fault my mare for it it was kind of the conditions you know but when I got home so that was in July and I I wanted to go to pink buckle I got home and she was running the 2d like she was safetying up she wasn't quite where she was like she wasn't just laying her guts out there like she used to and it and it kind of like I don't know it i definitely got sour but it it kind of brought me back like, okay, if I'm going to save this mare for these top events, I have a top horse. I need her to stay running as strong and hard and free as she can, because they're not going to give it to you. Like these events are so tough. And so I kind of quit going to the rodeos, especially the ones that, you know, were a little wet or the ground was a little dicey just because I'm trying to save my horse to where she'll try for me at these bigger events that pay so great. And the ground's awesome, you know?
1: I, I mean, I think that's just so smart and more and more you see it, you know, it's, it's hard when you have a horse that you feel like can win and is capable to skip the big added money race down the road, Yeah, um, you know, cause you, you know, they can do well, they're starting okay. to run, you know, they're going to win something. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think that's really smart, like long-term you have goals for her. Yep. you know you want them to be able to do those things so it's like well i'm not going to enter here even though it's right next to my house because <laughs> we wanted to yep. last and i i don't think it's hard to get sour at rodeos <laughs> <laughs> no. that's just a whole different ball game and yeah i mean yep. those those
2: horses that learn that try so hard um it kind of takes it out of them if they're if they're not yeah. having a if they don't have a good draw or the the setup's not right or you know and like i i drove all the way to Mobridge south i think that was in south dakota i don't even know yes and yep looked at the ground and it was so muddy it was so muddy they couldn't get a tractor in there and there was ruts probably like a foot deep around the barrels by the first 50 and i was like 90 out and uh i just loaded up and went home and i'm like this is crazy like yeah. I drove all the way to south dakota and i just walked away loaded my horse walked away I got fined. you know like yeah And I mean, that's rodeo and those girls that do it are tough as nails. I'll tell you that much because I've done it and it, it will chew you up and spit you out. If you don't have your right, you know, if your mind's not right or you're not tough enough mentally, cause it, it is, it is tough and trying and it's hard on the horses. It's hard on you. And I, I mean, I probably wasn't the best setup because I did travel by myself. So literally like if I wasn't driving I was sleeping or running, like there was no time in between because of because I was maybe not smart and I didn't bring somebody to help me drive. But yeah, it it doesn't take much to sour on on the rodeos when you're traveling like that.
1: <laughs> no, and you know they are the jockeys and the horses, tough as nails. Horse, to,
2: those horses are like medals. Like I don't, those horses are insane. Like that cool whip horse, I've seen him go win at huge jackpots that you know like those there's jackpot horses and there's rodeo horses and then there's the few that can do both and like mm-hmm. those ones deserve a freaking medal like I, I don't know how I think they're just born that way you know
1: yeah ab- absolutely I mean it's it's so fun to watch and it's more all the kudos to those girls <laughs> and how they manage them and everything because yeah. I was like I want to rodeo again and then I watch all the stuff on Facebook and I'm like eh maybe I don't <laughs> maybe I that was do. a one and done year I'm done I'm retired
2: I know and I feel like such a quitter I I do because it it is it was always my goal to go to the NFR of course every little girl's goal mm-hmm. is to go to the NFR and I've and I feel like a quitter I really do and it, it breaks my heart but I'm trying to be smart you know it's it's not an easy road like being a horse trainer I mean you don't do this because you make a ton of money mm-hmm. and I think being a trainer and going down the road and rodeo and you can't do both because you go down the road, rodeo and unless you're coming back and forth between each and every one, which you'd probably go through three rigs doing that. You can't ride your horses at the house. So and you can't bring them all with you. Yep. And it's like, I can't make any money cause I'm, you know, gone, but then I'm spending money and I'm relying on winning a check. You know that, and it, it just got, it got to be really tough.
1: Yeah. Well, and now, you know, thankfully our industry does have the opportunities, you know, with the bigger incentive races and stuff like that, that you can kind of try to save that horse for a couple big events a year and make it worth it, you know, instead of haul if they're not, you know, if you don't yeah. want to do
2: that. Absolutely. I I think it's been, it's been a game changer for me personally. I don't know about everybody mm-hmm. else. I'd assume it changed a lot of games for most people, but um, being able to go to those events take multiple horses have like pristine ground pristine environment you know and so much money to win it just it makes so much sense
1: yeah I I'm with you there um I I want to have more except I don't want to pay the nominations for more (laughs) I I, I only (laughs) have a couple I'm kind of like (laughs) yeah Caught there that I wish my trailer was full, but then again, I couldn't afford a trailer full, so <laughs> I'll just I'll just deal with the ones I have.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or you can't afford the truck that can haul the trailer that. <laughs> yeah, exactly for exactly. all your horses. Yeah. Kind oh, I'm with you.
1: Limited there. Um. Well, you said you know after you got back from the rodeos and you know she she wasn't clocking to what she knew she was able. How did you kind of handle that? Because we've talked a little bit about the mental aspect of it and. You know, it is hard when you have a horse that you know is capable, Um, even though, like you said, you also ride horses of all ranges of <laughs> talent. How do you kind of stay in that right mindset or, you know, get back in the right mindset after
2: thousands of dollars yeah. and miles spent and it doesn't go well? Oh, man, that um, having a good support system, friends, <laughs> friends are awesome um, friends that like you <laughs> that will tell you what you want to hear. Um, and my fiance has been awesome. Like he, being a Bronc rider, you know, he, he rode Bronx in Canada and in, in the States and stuff in Australia, obviously. But he, he, when you, when you're a Bronc rider, you can't really just go get on a bunch of Bronx every day. You know, barrel racers can oh, get on man. horses and trot and lope and run through the barrels if they want. Um, so what he did is he read a bunch of those, um, what, competition mind books you know yeah so he would stay really sharp on the like reading those books and then he would watch lots of videos I cannot even tell you how many times we watched the NFR from 2000 to 2014 like all the we bought all those DVDs and watched the bronc writing and so he would study um, you know all the winners and timing and all that so I took part of that with me you know and I'll study my good videos. You know, if I'm, if I'm feeling like I'm okay, something's not right. What, what did I do that did work? You know, I go back to those videos and of me winning something or, you know, of a feel that I wanted or something like that. And then talking to him about just anything like venting and having him tell me how to change my thinking to where it, it turns a negative into a positive and, um, just trying to like move forward and, I don't know, get through it all. I don't know. he's he's just really good at all of that because of all the books he's read. Maybe I should start reading books. I honestly, but <laughs> I just
1: do, do you have some names of some of these books? Can he you share likes, with
2: us what he Yeah, reads? the one that I that stuck out to me was Mind Gym.
1: I love book. that book. I okay, have that so on you, my
2: phone. Yes. And then so Stevie and Ty Hillman come out here in the spring when they um when they rodeo and they stay here. And I talked to Ty for a while and that guy's got a book out. And I have not gotten it yet and I should, but I've, I've heard wonderful things about that. And that I I think would relate to barrel racing. Cause I think the mind gyms like on sports, like professional mm-hmm. sports. Yeah. Uh, but this one might relate to rodeo and barrel racing and horses or, you know, the stuff that, that matters to us. Or um, so I think his would be really, really good. And I, just talking to Ty over the years, like that guy's got such a good head on his shoulders and Stevie's a lucky girl. Cause I mean, Having somebody like that on the road with you, I feel like that's a huge ace in the hole. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just a support system like that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I've seen people beat themselves before they even run down the alley because they're
2: out. Absolutely. Or
1: their horse isn't working. And then you see girls that like demolish barrels on one horse and like come back on their next one and like, I'm going to go win now. Like, it doesn't even phase them.
2: I know. I know. And I wish I was more like that, but me too. yeah. And I actually, I listened to the, to Kelsey Treharn's podcast and listening to her, it, I, it's something that I didn't really think about, but because I'll run, you know, six head at a jackpot and you know, you hit a barrel on one or one runs off or pulls on you or does something stupid. And, and you're so mad at them, but you have another one to hop on and you're like, I can't, be riding with all this hate because it's not fair to the the next horse I'm on and so when she said she'd watch videos of her whatever horse she was up on next and like kind of get in the groove I think that's really good advice because I do that Um, sometimes depending on what horse I'm on I don't have good videos to revert back to (laughs) (laughs) so maybe it's better if I don't watch the videos of, of those ones but like with my mare I've always done that like when right before I run her at, you know, something big, I'll watch a a really good video and just be like, that's the horse that I'm running. Like, get excited, get pumped, like, get, like, thankful to be on a horse like that. And it kind of puts my mind right. Like, when I start um, thinking about how awesome of an opportunity this is, instead of, like, I need to go win the money. You know what I mean? Um, Kind of changing changing your outlook and just really being thankful for being at a jackpot of that caliber and on a horse of that caliber. And so sometimes that chills me out a little bit
1: I I think that's really valuable advice too you know just kind of have fun do what you're doing and yeah you know like one of my favorite things I don't remember who said it but it was like somebody that was like you know instead of thinking like oh I can't hit the barrel or oh I gotta push her by or whatever you know thinking like bad things that happen like what if I get by all of these really fast like how fast can she be you know like almost like just thinking of it like what if things actually go good yeah that's what yep. we're gonna do instead of what if I hit a barrel? What if this happens? Like
2: I know, and I I've crazy. done that. Like I went. I remember I, I flew back home from Australia. I think this was last year. Yeah, twenty twenty. And I flew home from Australia, and two days later, I jumped in the truck and drove straight to Odessa Rodeo because it was a Houston qualifier. And I thought, like after a month in Australia, I would be able to ride and win and go to Houston. Anyways, I I'm a dreamer, but <laughs> I, went, I went to Houston or to Odessa. And running down that little alley, I'm like, "It would really suck if you hit a barrel, Kelsey." And sure as shit, <laughs> I went out there. Yep, that's the what track. happens. And I drove all the way home. <laughs> I was like, "That was the what? 22 hour drive to, yeah. to hit a barrel?" I mean, yeah. it's I've had some I've had some of those stories that um, I've also had. I do have good stories. I don't just have bad ones, but. I I do know what that's like when you're running down the alley and you're like, oh, man, this would suck if I hit a barrel or, oh, man, it would suck if I missed this first barrel, you know. Yeah, it's and like then- you
1: put it happens. out in the universe and then lo and behold, what <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what happens.
2: Yeah, it, it seems to be that way. So
1: tell us, what are some of your, you know, favorite wins or, you know, your most favorite runs that you've had?
2: Um, I don't know. I haven't, like, won that many great things but I did win the west coast finals in 2019 and that was unreal just because my mare was so young and I didn't like she'd never been that fast on a standard she ran I think her fastest time on a standard before that weekend was like a 17.5 and I I'll kind of nurse them along I don't ask for a bunch out of my young horses and uh, she went out there and ran a 17.2 the first round then an O, and then a one and she won oh wow yeah, and I mean, like, consistent, like, outstanding, just kind of blew me out of the water. And that, like, to have a horse, like, it gives me chills. To have a horse that can, is capable of doing that is one thing. But to have them mm-hmm. just all of a sudden jump a half second faster in one weekend, like, when you need them, that's different. Like, I, she's, she's so cool. Because I've never, I never really asked her for anything. I was just like, oh, she's young, you know, she's... I need to just baby her. And she went out there and she's like, get out of my way. Look what I could do.
1: Look what I could
2: do. What? Was that her fraternity year? No, it was her, one of her derby years. I can't remember. Seven. This, So she was maybe five. Okay. Yeah. She was five. Yeah. So I ran her as a four-year-old and she, that mare, I swear she should have probably been under anybody but me. But I, I took, I remember I took her January of her fraternity year. I ran her as a four-year-old. I took her to the Greg Olson and all that. And she was like 17-6, seven. She was awesome for, for me, for what mm-hmm. I wanted. Uh, come home and I'm like, you know, I should go schooler down the road here. It was like five minutes down the road. I'm like, I'm, I should go schooler at this jackpot because I've been running her so much. I should just go like, you know, school her in some time only's and make her go slow and pretty and, you know, and I was like fighting myself because I just didn't want to go. It was cold. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take my friend's trailer because it's smaller. I'm going to take three horses, whatever. Loaded them up. She was in the back. Get to the jackpot. It's like literally five, five seven miles down the road. I go to unload and the doors open and my mare has gone. <gasps> and really? Yep. Yeah. And I freaked out. I mean, There was a lot of things that happened, but I freaked out. And somebody was like, uh, was, was there a horse in there? And I just slammed the trailer shut, jumped in the truck and went, like went back and backtracked. And I was so scared because I don't know when she came out. The door busted, like the, um, the latch busted on that trailer. And I had to backtrack. It was dark. I didn't know if she was, I didn't know if I had to shoot her. Like, I didn't know what was yeah. going to happen. And <laughs> like, there was. Some people working in the the orchards, the almond or, or I think it was oranges, and they were like "caballo, caballo," and they're pointing, and I was like, "Oh God!" Well, she's alive because like they're saying she went that way, <laughs> which means she was running. Um, So I found her. Somebody found her and brought her to me, which thank God because she, I didn't have her tied in, and she came out, and I don't, I don't, I don't. Obviously, I didn't see it. I didn't even know she came out, but. Um, she had slid on her whole left side. So she has a mighty nasty scar on her left shoulder. She's got a scar on her elbow, she's got a scar on her stifle. Her hawk is probably three times the size it should be still. And um that saddle probably saved her because it knocked the swells off clean off my saddle. So
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, she hit hard and um and it like the road was so bouncy, like it's all back roads, farming roads, you know. And so Mm -hmm. I've been I didn't even feel it. But the lucky thing is the way that I went, the speed limit was like 25 or 30. So I I wasn't going fast. Yeah. But she had to have a lot of time out because she ended up severing the extensor tendon in her hawk. And then that got infected. And then her elbow was sliced open. We couldn't stitch it because it was an elbow. Um, She's body sore. But I, I remember I ran her in May. So that happened in January and I, I, she was healed up and sound and, uh, but flexed her off. She was good. Everything was good. I go run her in May and she went second at a faturity first run back, you know, and I won like 3000. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to go take her to a different vet and have him go through her, you know? And he's like, are you running this mare? I'm like, I just did. And he's like, she's her tendon is like completely severed like this 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 all this stuff is, is she sound I'm like well trot her off he's like I don't know how she sound like she oh he my heard, god she was sound. so I gave her more time off and uh I think my first run back after that was September at the west coast finals for her maturity year and she ran like 17 fives you know and then I took her I I have another horse that I've won a lot on and I qualified for the American and so I went to Fort Worth in January and I was running both horses at the jackpots there. And Fish, my other gelding, he was good, but he was like 2D out there. And I'm like, shit, that's not good enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was running the mare at the jackpots. She won a jackpot at Salt Creek with, you know, Lisa Lockhart was there. Everybody was there. And I'm like, okay, crap, like this mare's good. And she won another jackpot, so like at um, the one in Stephenville, Lone Star, I think. And, and so I was like, I'm going to run her at the semis. And uh, she made it back top 35. And I mean, this is like a green cult because she had just turned five and I'd maybe ran her at a handful of fraternities her fraternity year. So it was, um, she's just pretty special, you know? I um, just can't uh, even believe
1: the- that. Like, I'm I'm in shock this whole thing happened because oh. like, I've, I've loved Bye since like the first videos you posted of her. And like, <sighs> that's crazy.
2: Yeah. That's yeah, wild. I know. And I feel so bad for that happening, but I mean, it happened. She's okay. Like I have to get over it, but I just feel so bad. And so now I'm a freak when it comes to trailering. Like I'll, I'll fill up at the gas station. And I, if I go inside and I'm like not with my trailer, I'll walk around the whole thing. And just in case somebody thought that they should open the trailer door, like I'm so weird about my, I do the same thing. And I've never had that.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: and that's that's the craziest part is that's, that has always been my number one fear. Is like horses falling through the floor or Mm -hmm. like falling out of the trailer or something like that. And it happened to me. And it's just insane that I just, I just can't believe it happened to me because that is like literally my number one fear. And it's like hauling down the road scares the crap out of me. I, I've seen so many wrecks. Like there's been a couple wrecks just recently, um, you know, with Jimmy Smith and uh, the left Colorado Classic. I drove by that. And I mean, that like breaks my heart when I see that. I just yeah. feel like every time I get in a truck and get to my destination, I dodge a bullet because I, I, just, I don't know, I'm so afraid of that happening. And the fact that something happened to me within five miles from my house, just, oh man, that that was tough. Like, it was, it was like PTSD. Like anytime I wild, home, yeah, <laughs> no,
1: I, I don't blame you. I'd be checking that trailer.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was leaving the, the time for a long time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, she went to winning, and she's awesome, and, you know, she's she's one of the good ones in your trailer, and, and we love to watch her. Oh, thank you. I, I won't take up too much of your time. I feel like we could talk forever, and, and I love it, and so <laughs> thank you uh, for joining it. But one of my other favorite questions to ask are, like, just what are some things that you have to have in your trailer when you leave that aren't saddles, bridles? Yeah. You know, the you – know. like,
2: I'm probably the worst one to ask that because I pack so light. Like, I'll run six horses at a jackpot with one set of splint boots and bell boots. Like, I'm not bad (laughs) because I hate clutter. Um, But I do – I always have a phone charger. And I I know Kelsey said this, but I carry baby wipes too. I always like to have baby wipes because I get so dirty – well, here because it's so dusty – And so I'll wipe my face and then I'll wipe my horses down and stuff. Like, if they're like, when you, I don't know, when you travel, they get like those really nasty eye boogers. Yeah. Um, So I, it's not really that original, but that's kind of, those are kind of my things. I always need a phone charger because my phone's always dead.
1: I'm with you there on that one. (laughs) I I had a lot of people reach out and be like, I have baby wipes too. So, like, (laughs) universal thing in most trailers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it should be in like a goodie bag for these barrel races because. It's always like chapstick and I don't know, a keychain, but maybe it should be baby wipes.
1: <laughs> there you go. Next year, Colorado Classic. Yeah, and baby baby wipes. wipes are handed to everybody.
2: Yeah. People It'll don't come even from... know how much they'd appreciate those. I'm telling you.
1: <laughs> It'll come from this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for joining us. Hopefully, are you headed to the pink buckle this fall or are you coming to this side of the nation?
2: Oh yeah. Sometimes. I'm this headed may- to Ruby yeah. Buckle in a couple weeks. I'll be at Pink Buckle. I qualified for that Breeders Challenge, which I'm really excited about. Oh uh, yes. I have no idea. I didn't even read about it. I just entered it. and um, So I have no idea what to expect. So I should probably start reading the rules. Um, but I'm excited about that.
1: Well that'll be awesome. That'll be exciting. I've, I have I think the Breeders Challenge is going to be really cool. I um, but well hopefully I'll see you at Pink Buckle and- Yeah can hang out okay Uh, thanks kelsey we'll talk later
0: thanks for tuning in we're trying to get back on that once a week podcast recording and we appreciate our guest kelsey for helping us out this week be sure to check out KL Barrel Horses and see if one of their sires fits your program today. All right, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.